Blog Talk Radio. Good evening in the Paleo Hebrew. 
I'm your host, your brother, your friend, as always, Tazapa. I'm joined on this evening's broadcast by my wife, Arakaya, and shortly to be joined by my other wife, Hasadaya. All right, y'all, welcome to uh, Blog Talk, Bible Talk. If it's your first time tuning in, we are, in fact, the people of the book. Yes, the Hebrew Israelites. Uh-oh, get the baby. The Hebrew Israelites, Hebrew being our language, Israelite being our nationality, those that are scattered throughout the four corners of the globe, specifically here in the Western Hemisphere. Excuse me. Going by. Excuse me just for a second, y'all. Judgment of the Most High, who will yep. render unto every man according to his nope. deeds, to them who by patience continuing yep. some well doing seek no nope. glory and honor and immorality yep. eternal life, but unto them that are sorry about that, y'all. Some happenings going on in the crib. Um, but as I was saying, man, uh, yes, we are in fact the people of the book, specifically in the Western Hemisphere. Uh, the people of uh, black, Negroid, or Indian descent, so-called Hispanic descent, we are the chosen people of the Most High God, the people of the book, y'all. <clears throat> and that's what we believe in. That's what we, we prove uh, historically, biblically as well. I want to send shots out to all our affiliated schools, the school here in San Antonio, Texas. You can catch us down at uh, 4444 Walsham. Uh also sending shots out to the school in uh, H-Town, Brother Quatrezab down there with the crew, uh, Laka Rob and uh, Shathat, and also uh, sending shots out to the crew uh, up in VA, Kazakia, the Brother Arya, um, the Brother Bakar Gabar, and the Brother Shaquat. Also sending shots out to the brother up in Rochester, the brother Zainala, and uh, shout out to our brothers in Canada and our brothers in California, as well as Albuquerque, and uh, shout out to Kyle Cobb down in Guatemala, y'all. So welcome to the show, man. If it's your first time tuning in, I do about an hour of news and caring events. I hope everybody is healthy. I hope everybody had a, a great weekend, uh, uh, Tawab, or a good Shabbat. Um, everybody's good, man. A lot of stuff didn't, didn't transpired over the weekend, man. A lot of stuff then went down. I definitely want to touch on some of it. But um, <clears throat> let me go ahead and dive in like I always do. Let's get Matthew chapter 6. In verse 9, after this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen, man. 
So this is the prayer we need to be sent up on a daily, man, so we can get the hell on, man. I, for one, am ready. I am ready. Ready to go, man. Ready to go. It's been a, a damn rough week already, and, and we ain't in, in none but uh, Tuesday. Uh, let's get Psalms chapter 124, verse 18, y'all. So, here we go. Hold on for a second, y'all. Give me just a second, y'all. Hold on. I'm back. Uh, Psalms 118 and verse 24, and it reads, This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So good or bad, happy or sad, the most high about you to it will bring you through it, and you'll come out better on the other side because of it, man. Please believe me. And I know sometimes, brothers and sisters, that seems real hard to digest, real hard to swallow, man. But, um, you know, like it tells us, matter of fact, let me get it real quick. Let me get it. Let's get second Ezra, man. It's been a minute since I, I went over this, too. I think I'm going to read this tonight. This is second Ezra chapter uh, 7. And uh, I'm going to start at verse 6. It says, There is also another thing. A city is builded and set upon a broad field and and is full of all good things. Now, this city, because this is the angel, I believe this is the angel of Uriel speaking to Ezra, or Ezra, as he's known in the Bible. He's telling them, hey, man, look, let me let me hit you onto this. There's a city, and it's building and set upon a broad field, and it's full of all good things. So he's referring to the kingdom, but he's he's using the analogy of a city because that's actually what the, what the the kingdom is described as in Revelations, I believe the twenty the twenty first chapter. But then he goes on verse seven. The entrance thereof is narrow, is set. In a dangerous place to fall So he's letting us know that In order to make it to the kingdom The interest is going to be narrow And it's going to seem like The most high Like Christ is setting us up for failure Because remember Let me read it again verse 7 The interest thereof is narrow Meaning what It ain't a lot of people that's going to make it It's not a lot of people that's going to get there Because the interest is narrow it's not broad. Like Christ told us, he said, uh, what did he say? Broad is, broad is the way, but narrow is the gate. 
This is what it's talking about. It says, uh, let me read it again, verse 7. The entrance thereof is narrow and is set in a dangerous place to fall. And like I said, it's going to seem like a like a setup, like Yahweh Shai setting us up. But remember what he said. He said, behold, I send you forth as sheep among wolves. What defense system does the sheep have, y'all? How can the sheep defend itself? By just saying, bye, bye. A sheep has no defense system. But Christ said he sent us forth as sheep amongst wolves, meaning he is setting us up to get hurt. He is setting us up to be tried. He is putting us in a dangerous setting, and it's only fair because that's what he went through. Verse 7 again, it says, The interest thereof is narrow, and is set in a dangerous place to fall, like as if there were a fire on the right hand. Now listen to what the analogy he's given us. There's fire on the right hand. And remember, the interest is narrow. And he said, on the left, a deep water. So you got fire on one side, you got water on the other, and there's a narrow, a very thin path in between the two. If you make the wrong step, you're going to fall over. You're either going to get burned or you're going to drown. So this is this is the analogy, the picture he's seen for us. And one only path between them both, even between the fire and the water, so small that there could not, that there, so small that there could but one man go there at once. Meaning what? One at a time, man. (laughs) One at a time. And also showing us that we can't piggyback on somebody else's faith, man. You got to have your own faith. Like the parable of the the ten virgins in Matthew chapter 25, (laughs) when they was trying to get some oil from people that already had put their work in and their lamps. You can't piggyback off of somebody else's faith. I'm sorry for our uh, (laughs) our, uh, grammatically uh, correct brothers. Land me back. You can't lend me back on somebody else's faith. You can't get to the kingdom based off of some, what somebody else somebody else believes. You have to believe it for yourself. You got to believe this. We have to believe this as individuals. We all need to have our individual relationship with the Most High, man. You can't depend on somebody else to have it for you. You either believe or you don't believe. Verse 9. Read verse 9 for me, Archive. If this city now were given unto a man for an inheritance. And we know that the kingdom is our inheritance. Read. If he never shall pass the danger set before it. If you don't never go through all the trials, Yahweh and set up for us. Even though you never go through all the tribulations and the shortcomings and the rough patches. If you never go through none of that. Read. How shall he receive this inheritance? How are you going to get the kingdom then? It's letting us know that the entry the entry fee is making it do all this. The entry fee is walking that narrow path that where you set up to fall, where you set up for failure. That's the entry fee. 
But we all got to go through that. We all got to experience that, y'all. Uh, that just that just hit me. Like I said, y'all, it's already been a rough week. And I'm going to share this with y'all because y'all know I'm an open book. So uh, many of y'all know that my stepson, Elijah, his life was taken about a year ago, a year and a couple months ago, man. Anyway, um, the trial is now, man. The trial's going down. Uh, I attended the trial today. I've been pretty much been there all day, man. That's why I didn't do blog talk early this morning, uh, and I'm doing it now. But, man, um, <laughs> it's something else, man. It's something else to watch, uh, to watch a trial and to see the stuff that uh, unfolds, man. But the reason I'm bringing this up, y'all, sharing this with y'all, is because the defense attorney <laughs> in his opening statement said that this was a case of two dysfunctional families. <laughs> he was referring to my family and the the brother that's on trial right now for, for murdering my son, his family. He said it was a case of two dysfunctional families and one family practicing polygamy. <laughs> I was like, wow. I was like, wow, man. I I didn't. I I kind of saw it coming. And the reason I say that, and because you on the you on the line, I know you listening. Because I was talking to you yesterday when they actually brought the subpoena and served me with the subpoena yesterday. So I really wasn't surprised when he pulled that out the crack of his tail today in his opening statement. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. But he obviously don't know who he's talking to. He obviously don't know who he's dealing with. And I ain't trying to big up myself or anything of that nature, y'all. I'm just familiar with being in a setting where somebody's hooping and hollering and trying to paint you out to be the bad guy, where you have to keep your cool. You got to stay calm. <laughs> you got to listen to them talk. <laughs> And you knowing that what they're accusing you of or the smoke and mirrors act that they got going on ain't got nothing to do with you. They're just trying to deflect <laughs> from the real issue at hand. So it, it took me back. It, it took me back to a place in the shop. You were well aware of what I'm talking about. It took me back to a, to, a, to that place, Ock. But uh, needless to say, man, we good on this side, man. We good on this side. All praise to the Most High, man. So I just wanted to share that with y'all uh, before we get started, man. Just to let y'all know what's going on, what's on my mind. I was going to play the little, uh, <laughs> y'all get the rest of the music because I'm on my soapbox right now, man. But uh, no, let me just go ahead and get into it. So article, y'all, we going to deal with. You got it, Ar- Archive? The first article I want to get into, and I know y'all have heard about it, man, because everybody got their ears to the ground right now, checking, checking for it. Uh, oh, wait a minute! I don't know what this is. My bad, y'all. Yeah, but everybody's checking for it right now, and it's uh, blowing everybody's phone up, man. But the uh, the Riverfront Brawl, man, 
that went down. Uh, what did it go down? Saturday. Is is yeah, Saturday. It's all over the internet. If y'all ain't seen it yet, man. Go on YouTube, check it out. Um, but read that article, Archive. Let them know what you read from. You got to be like super loud. Matter of fact, let me move my phone. Here, ah, this should be good. Hey, somebody shoot me a text and let me know uh, if y'all can hear us specifically, Archive. Okay, so the title of this article is Montgomery Police Issue Warrants After Massive Brawl on Riverfront Dock. Authorities have issued arrest warrants after a chaotic brawl broke out Saturday on a popular riverfront in Montgomery, Alabama, with punches thrown. People hit with chairs, and at least one person tossed into the water. The melee began with black men who a witness described to CNN as an employee, engaged with a group of white men on the dock, according to footage of the incident. A shirtless white man then charged and shoved the employee, and others pushed the worker to the ground and started punching him. The fight escalated further with other groups of people entering the fray, and after a short break in the action, a second round of punches and attacks, the footage shows. They were called to the scene and found, quote, a large group of subjects engaged in a physical altercation, unquote, according to a Monday news release. Now, the new, this news uh, report really don't do it justice, man. Y'all got to see it. Because during the brawl, you had this young brother. I found out that the brother is 16 years old, man. He was on the other side of the river and swam all the way over to the other side to help this other brother out who I found out it was his co-worker, man. But when I'm watching this, man, I was inspired. I really was. And I don't promote violence, man. We don't promote violence. But it was good to see our people unified, man. It was good to see our people stand for each other, man, because this something you don't hear about us doing, man. You always hear about us killing each other or we dragging each other's name through the mud or we just belittling each other or we showing a lot of hate towards each other, man. But here it is, we actually standing up for each other, man. And usually you will see something go down like this and you will see us just watching it, you know, why it happened. But this was not the case. I mean, you had people recording and they was... <laughs> Commentating because you know how we do it, man. We we don't do nothing simple. We don't do nothing boring. <laughs> we always gotta add a little sauce to it. You know, Yahushua said that we are the salt of the earth, man, and those are facts. We we are the flavor of the earth. But it was people watching, doing their little commentary. But for the most part, man, it was all hands on deck. And I'm telling you, man, it was beautiful to see. So y'all get the opportunity. Go and check it out. You, you got some more of that article? Several people were detained and charges were pending, police added. There are four active warrants and more to come. Major Saba Coleman, a Montgomery police spokesperson, told CNN in an email. Police acted swiftly to detain several reckless individuals for attacking a man who was doing his job. See, listen. Listen how they say Oh, oh, they're talking about the, the Edomites. Okay. Yes. Go ahead. Montgomery Mayor 
Stephen Reese said Sunday in a post to X, the platform formerly known as Twitter. Warrants are being signed and justice will be served. All right, let's get uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 25 and verse 1, man. Now, read this because I, I know <laughs> we always going to have some naysayers. So I'm, I know I'm already going to have, oh, he's advocating for violence. See, them niggers, that's what they like. It ain't even about that, y'all. It's not even about that for me, too. I want to watch some violence. You know, I just cut on one of y'all movies, Esau, that y'all made, and <laughs> watch some violence. <laughs> if it's about that, if I want to see some violence, I just turn on boxing and see some violence, or turn on damn MMA and see some violence. So it ain't even about the violence. Once again, it was about my people standing up for each other, our people standing up for each other, having each other's back. We do. Ecclesiastes 25 and 1. In three things I was beautified and set up beautiful both before God and men. Now listen to what he says. He says three things. Made him feel beautiful. It's beautiful before God and men. So the Most High recognizes it, and men also recognize it. What's the first one? The unity of brethren. The what? Unity of brethren. The beachfront brawl was what? The unity of brethren. Now, y'all was witnessing the unity of brethren, man. Y'all was witnessing what, it, what it's going to look like when we finally come together as a people and as a nation. The care the love that we have for one another. This 16-year-old little brother swam from the other side of the shoreline, got out and still had the fortitude to throw him up, <laughs> to throw down for this older brother, his co-worker that got jumped on by these Edomites, man. Wow. Read it again. In three things, I was beautified and stood up beautiful, both before God and men. Mm-hmm. The unity of brethren. This is what I'm applauding, man. I'm applauding the unity of brothers. Let's give a round of applause for them brothers, man. <laughs> Bam Yasha'ala, which means rise Israel, man. Read on. The love of neighbors. The love of who? Of neighbors. And that's who they were. <laughs> it was us, neighboring, back to back, fist to fist. Read. A man and a wife that agree together. We still got to work on that aspect, y'all. We got a lot of work to do on that one. Hey, but I'll take what I can get. Let's get Psalm chapter 133. Most High said he finds this beautiful. It says it's beautiful among the Most High and it's beautiful among men. Because I know I ain't the only brother that watched this and felt the exact same way, man. And I'm sure brothers and sisters that ain't, ain't even Israelites, they felt the same exact way. Because I could hear it in, the, in the, uh, the videos I was watching when the people was commentating. And it wasn't just brothers out there. They had some sisters out there, too, that was getting it in. You got that? Psalms chapter 133 and verse 1. Mm -hmm. Behold, 
how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Read it again. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Man, especially at this time of day, man, y'all know it's an attack on us, right? We're 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 at we're in spiritual warfare, man, right now. And a lot of us don't even know. But the scriptures say what? Read it again. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's good and pleasant for brethren to dwell together in unity. We were in, we were unified. What? Watching their brothers back, getting their brothers back, getting them people up off their brother, man. That's how we was unified. The beautiful thing. Read. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard. He compares unity to Aaron getting anointed. The the priest Aaron getting anointed with the, the anointing oil running all the way down to his beard. And where else? That went down to the skirts of his garment. And all the way down to the end of his garment. Read. As the dew of Hermon. As the dew of Hermon. Now, dew is a dew is a, an essential element that plants need to grow, that vegetation needs to grow. So this is, they're comparing the vegetation that plants get through uh, dew to unity. Beautiful and what? Necessary. Read. And as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, mm-hmm. for there the Most High commanded the The Most High commands the blessing in the unity. Man, I should have had had you download that, Michelle. You asked me last night that I wanted anything. Should have had you get that uh, Queen Latifah. (laughs) U-N-I-T-Y. Let's get uh, Ezekiel chapter 37. (laughs) No doubt, it was refreshing. It was refreshing to see that, man. Because we, we see our people do a lot of idiotic stuff, man, and we'd be shamed. But rarely we get the opportunity, man, to hold our heads up high, man, and really appreciate our people. So Ezekiel chapter 37, and uh, I want you to start at verse 1. Ezekiel chapter 37 and verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me mm-hmm. and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones. So this is Ezekiel. Read. And caused me to pass by them mm-hmm. round about. So he sat down in the valley of dry bones, and they're, they're, they surround him, these dry bones. Read. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. Very dry. I had no doubt. I was going to work it out. Brother's going to work it out. The shower. Old public enemy tune. Read. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? He said what? Can these bones live? So Ezekiel was being asked the question, Can these bones live? Can they survive? Read. And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. He said, man, I don't know. <laughs> he said, but I know you do. I know you do, Most High. I know you know whether or not these bones can, can make it. Now, jump down to verse 11. Let's find out who these bones are. Verse 11. 
And then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. See, this is metaphoric. Metaphorically speaking, this is allegory or uh, one of the ways that the Bible is written, prophetically. So he says, uh, can these bones live? And then we find out that these bones is the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dry and our hope is lost. Mm -hmm. We are cut off for our part. Ain't this what we we be saying, man? We hopeless. We ain't got no answers. Man, our people just lost. This is definitely talking about us. Can't be talking about nobody else, man. Who's the only nation, man, that don't know where they come from? They can't trace their lineage. They don't know who their God is. They ain't got no direction. They just walking around, running around aimlessly. Can't smoke enough, can't drink enough. This is definitely talking about us, man. Our bones are dry. To be dry, man, you mean you have no answers. What's that Kendrick Lamar, dying of thirst, that song you made? Dying of thirst, man. This is our people, thirsty. Thirsty for what? The knowledge of self. It says, and our hope is lost. We ain't got no damn hope. We've been gave up, a lot of us. This is why we turn our back on the most high. Talking about, oh, man, get out of my face with that God jump. Because some, some tra- traumatic or some traumatized us in life, and we feel like, oh, why God let this happen to me? But not understanding that the most high let this happen to you because of Deuteronomy chapter 28. You hadn't been keeping the law, statutes, and commandments. This is why he allowed it to happen to you. This is why we're going through what we're going through. Now jump up to uh, verse 5. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. Now, remember who the bones are, y'all. Verse 11, the whole house of Israel. So the Most High said, Behold, I'm going to cause breath to enter into you, and these bones are going to live. So this answers the Ezekiel question that he asked the Most High in verse 3. Can these bones live? According to verse 5, yes, they're going to live. But what's the only way they're going to be able to live? Read verse 5 again. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. No, no, verse 5. I'm sorry, verse 5. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. So the only way we're going to live is what? The breath has to enter into us. Now hold this. Let's get Wisdom of Solomon chapter 10. I'm sorry, chapter 7. And we're going to find out what this breath is. The Most High said he's going to breathe into us, and it's the only way we're going to be able to live. The only way we're going to be able to make it, y'all. The Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 7, we're going to start at verse 25. I want you to go to Deuteronomy, chapter 4. And start, we're going to start at verse 5 there. Yeah, Holy Zippers, too, we're going back. Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 7, and verse 10. Mm-hmm. No, no. 725, Wisdom of Solomon. So we're going to Wisdom of Solomon, y'all, chapter 7 and verse 25. Let me slow down a little bit, y'all. I might confuse y'all a little bit. For she is the breath of the power Matter of fact, the Matter of fact, I'm high. sorry, so verse 24. Verse 24. For wisdom is more moving than any motion. Now, what's the subject matter? 
Wisdom. Wisdom says wisdom moves faster than anything. Read. She passes and goeth through all things by reason of her pureness. Wisdom is pure. Read. For she is the breath of the power of the Most High. What is wisdom? The breath of the power of the Most High. So in Ezekiel, when the Most High said he blew the breath into them and they were able to live, what did he blow into us? Wisdom. He blew into us wisdom. Read 25 again. For she is the breath of the power of the Most High. Uh-huh. And a pure influence flowing from the glory of the Almighty. Mm. Therefore, can no defiled thing fall into her. Wow, this is a pure influence. So the Most High's wisdom influences us. But let's get his wisdom. Let's get what his wisdom is. Deuteronomy chapter 4, sort of verse 5. Um, you got enough stuff? Deuteronomy 4 5. Okay. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments. This is Moses speaking to our ancestors, the Israelites. He said, Behold, I've taught you statutes. So I've taught you laws. And then he said, I've taught you also judgments, the penalties for breaking these laws. Read. Even as the Lord my God commanded me. Because the Most High commanded Moses to give give us these commandments. Over 600 and some odd commandments. Read. That ye should do so in the land whither ye go to possess it. So how often, how long are we going to keep these commandments? Read that part again. That ye should do so in the land whither ye go to possess it. Everywhere we go, we're going to be keeping these commandments. Perpetually, forever. Read. Keep therefore and do them. For He says to keep the commandments and do them, but why? For this is your wisdom. This is your what? Wisdom. So we already established when we read Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 10 and verse 24 on down, that the breath of the Most High is his wisdom. Now we find out in Deuteronomy, chapter 4 and verse 5, that wisdom is the commandments, y'all. And wisdom being the correct application of knowledge or making good goals. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, making, uh, what's the other definition? Making good decisions to achieve a goal. That's what wisdom is, man. And he said what? Read it again. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nation. Who's going to see this? The sight of the nation. The nations are going to bear witness to it, y'all, and they just bear witness to what, man? Us. Keeping the laws and statutes of the commandments. I'm sorry, the laws and statutes of the most high. And you might be like, Charles Pye, I don't know, I keep stretching. These, these, these people were Israelites, you don't know that. How are they keeping the commandments? Let me show y'all how I know they was keeping one. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18. Mm-hmm. Read that. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people. Uh-huh. 
but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. It should do what? It should do what? Love thy neighbor as thyself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. If that wasn't our brothers and sisters loving each other, I don't know what it was, man. This is why I say, man, they at least kept one commandment. And you know what, man? They, Our people getting warm. Our people getting warm. And the reason I say it is because of this. Hold on, let me find it. Let's get Matthew 22 and 40. Matter of fact, I want you to start at verse uh, verse 38. Matthew 22 and 38. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, hold on, wait, 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 I'm sorry. Start at verse 36. Jesus said unto him, excuse me, 36, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? So somebody was asking him, what's the great commandment or what's the greatest commandment or the greatest commandment in the whole law? Listen to what Yahweh said, read. Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. He said that this is the first and the great commandment, the love of most high with all your mind and your soul. Read. And the second is like unto it. He said the second commandment is, is like the first one. Read. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Once again, y'all, I've seen this love displayed in the way we stood up for each other on Saturday at the Riverfront Brawl, man. I've seen this. Y'all seen this. Y'all bear witness to this. Read. On these two commandments. Now, well, listen to what he's saying. He said, on these two commandments, the first one was what? To love the most high with all your mind and all your soul. The second one was what? To love your neighbors you love yourself. But he says, on these two commandments, read. Hang all the law and the prophets. Hang all of the law and the prophets. So, y'all, let's not be hopeless, man. We stand a chance. Our people are finally learning how to love each other, man. Just based off this incident, man, I'm going to enjoy it. Ain't nobody going to steal my joy. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to quench my spirit. Now, we might act like niggas tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but we love each other today. We love each other today. All right, let's go back to Ezekiel chapter uh, 37. And where I want to go. Yeah, in verse 7. Ezekiel 37 and 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking. So this is Ezekiel saying he prophesied, meaning he taught, man. He taught the Bible as the Most High commanded him to do. And what happened? And the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Now, every time I read this, man, for some weird reason, I don't know, um, childhood uh, programming, I always get the vision. Do y'all remember that damn game, Operator? Operation. Operation. That's what it is. Where you had the, 
go in with the little thing and try to fix on the body, and as you hit the side piece, <laughs> this is the vision I always get, man. The Most High is operating on us, man, but a spiritual operation, not a physical operation, but a spiritual operation. That's why he says, man, they start coming to life, man, but they have no breath in them. Read. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind. What does he say? Prophesy unto the wind. And we didn't did a whole bunch of that, ain't we, Mashallah? <laughs> New brothels and East Houston. <laughs> we did a whole lot of prophesying to the wind. And hell, even on blog talk, <laughs> a whole lot of prophesying to the wind. Read. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Most High, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. And what was he breathing on them? The law, man. Particularly as it pertains to the article I put out, man, the law about loving each other. Read. So I prophesied as he commanded me, mm-hmm. and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. So what did the news, what, what did the whole world see on Saturday? Us stand up how? You read it, man. An exceeding great army. That's what they saw. You know what's interesting about that too, y'all? I was looking online. Maybe I got to do some more research. But I didn't really see national news cover this story. Because the article I pulled was from a uh, a local newspaper. Where did you get yours from, our guy? That was CNN. Oh, so it did make national news. Even better. So what did, what did Esau see when they saw us come together and protect one another, defend one another? What did they see? An exceeding great army. They saw an exceeding great army, y'all. And it's no coincidence <laughs> that now... They trying to do this. Well, they already done it. So I want you to read right here. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Tell me what you read from. From NBCNews.com. New Florida standards teach students that some black people benefited from slavery because it taught useful skills. And I believe I read this before, man, but I wanted to revisit it because I want to show y'all something else. Go ahead. We're blasted by a statewide teachers' union as a, quote, unquote, step backward or approved Wednesday by the State Board of Education. Mm-hmm. Reported July 20th, 2023. So basically what they're doing, y'all, is they're erasing history. This, is, this has been their plan all along. Because if you erase history, then what? You can't prove it, so what? It didn't happen. So now we got a bunch of kids, a bunch of our children growing up thinking what? Love is love. I love. I, I, I got love for everybody who got love for me. Every person, every people is created equal. I don't make differences. There is no racism in America. I'm telling y'all this, y'all, because I'm speaking from personal experience. We had a family meeting, family class, actually, here a couple weeks back. And the question that I asked my children was, 
does America have a race issue? And man, I was uh, thrown back by the responses that I had gotten from my children. But it pulled my coattail to the fact that I'm around here and got my children in the scriptures, reading. We have class. We go over scriptures. I tell them scriptures, which is fine and beautiful. But how can I educate them on being an Israelite when I haven't thoroughly educated them on their place in this place we call America? How can I thoroughly, thoroughly inform them about their Israelite heritage without them being able to identify with the plight of our people in this country? They will, they'll never be able to connect the dots to, say, a Deuteronomy 28. They'll never be able to connect the dots to what we refer to as a color class. They won't be able to get it or to comprehend it because they'll have a missing piece to the puzzle, man. And we've all put puzzles together. You put a puzzle together, man, and you only to find out that somebody lost the damn last two or three pieces to the puzzle, so you can't even finish it. Ugly-looking puzzle because you ain't got all the pieces. That's how our children, some of our children, not all, some of our children are concerning their place in this place, man. So I've been on a mission, y'all, to thoroughly educate my children, and I'm sharing this with y'all because it's not exclusive just to my my children, y'all. If your children are attending public school or your children going to Esau to get taught, I guarantee you they are completely skipping over our history. This is proof. This is why I'm reading this article. But I want y'all to understand that Esau is on the offensive. I'm going to show y'all. Give me Revelation 12 and 12. He's on the offensive, y'all. And if he's on the offensive, then that means what? We late. <laughs> we are late. We are late to the party. They've been working on this. Read that. For the NPR. No, no, not you. you. We, we definitely go on there, though. Revelation chapter 12, verse 12. Mm-hmm. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. He said what? Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. The word woe means destruction. He says woe or destruction to those who inherit the earth, those who are occupying the earth. Read. And of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you. Why did he tell us destruction? The devil is come down unto you. The word devil means deceiver, y'all. Who, 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 who could it be? And we already understand that the devil is, in fact, a man. It's a person. Man, I guess I got to get this. Ah. <sighs> I have plans on doing this. But and I'm not gonna break this down, y'all. Matter of fact, do that. Let's just say I'm gonna have to do another class. But 
the devil is definitely a person. He's not an entity, y'all. Okay, read that again. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Uh-huh. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth uh-huh. and of the sea. Devil is come down unto you. The what? The devil is come down unto you. The devil, the deceivers come down unto us, read. Having great wrath. He's having great wrath. This is why they're so aggressively trying to erase history. He's having great wrath. Well, why? Read. Because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. His time is short. He's running out of time, y'all. This place is a wrap. I don't know if y'all noticed this, man. You got the letter people taking over. You got um, history being uh, written completely out of history books. You got damn uh, letter people reading damn stories to kids in school. They just did away with uh, with the abortion uh, abortion right, but they're trying to re-implement it. You got Republicans fighting Republicans, <laughs> Democrats fighting Democrats. The, um, affirmative action is no longer in school. The affirmative action no longer in school. What else? Credit rating of the U.S. has gone down. You speak on it. Another inflation hike. Speak on it. Etc. Etc. He know his time is short, y'all. I hate to do this, y'all, but I gotta take a break. Hold on. Sorry about that. I'm back. Uh, had a question, though. Let me see. So, because he says, so Devin says, so how do I teach my 
child that's mixed. Okay. Just teach them, I teach them, cause um, what I what I what I've been doing is I've been giving my children research to do. Like each day, they have a different topic. Um, I don't know who it was. I gave, I gave, I think it was Samaki. I gave him um, what was the transatlantic slave trade? When did it start? When did it end? And how did you how did you feel about it? And then they would have to name their sources at the uh, you know when they got done. It's like an essay. Uh, I gave Heidi. I think I gave her Jim Crow. What was Jim Crow? You know, different topics like that, man, things that they need to know, but um, phrase it in a way to where they can learn something from it, they can go back and do their own research. You know, I like it too, man, because they're killing two birds with one stone because it's teaching the children uh, critical thinking, but it's also teaching them how to write, man, how to write and how to, how to express themselves. Because uh, it's been interesting for me because I've been seeing – where they lack on a lot of stuff that uh, I took for granted and thought they already knew, man. But our our uh, school, these this school these school systems ain't teaching our children nothing, man. They don't. My children, they didn't know. We still working on it. Uh, sentence supposed to start with a capital letter. They were not doing that. Handwriting is bad. Um, more punctuation not there. Uh, not even writing their name on papers. Titles not even on the paper, writing out the margin line, you know, all the basics that we was taught when we went to school, man. So I think that's a good place for you to start, cuz. Um, and <laughs> I know some Israelites would be asking you right now, okay, well, who's who's her daddy? What was her daddy? Because we know that the a child's lineage goes by the father, according to Numbers chapter 1. That's a fact. A child's lineage is determined by their father's pedigree. That is true. That's a fact. So you are what your father is. But my rule of thumb is teach them all and let your house shy sort them out. Teach them all. So I hope you got some edification on that, because if you didn't, hit me up with a back a backup or a follow up question, and we can dive more into it. But if you're good for now, I'm good. Now I want you to read this article, because we only got uh, one minute before I got to twist topics. So Revelations uh, 12 and 12 said the devil's coming down with great wrath because you know it's time is short, right? So let's uh, see what what else he's doing. Read this. From NPR.org. Nearly 100 Confederate monuments removed in 2020, report says. How many? Nearly 100 Confederate monuments removed in 2020. Now, that was 2020. Now, I also searched uh, Wikipedia. They had the number listed at 160. And I don't know how current that is. But look how many Confederate statues and monuments they're removing. Do you think this this is a coincidence? This is by chance? No, it's not, y'all. They know what they're doing. They're literally erasing history. And I know it was a bunch of niggas a couple of years back in the street trying to protest and talk against how 
oh, I want them to tear this down. I want them to remove these Confederate flags. If they do that, y'all, then how can our children trace back history? Come on, you you heard this article she just read that black people benefited from slavery? Houseway? <laughs> Please show me. How do we benefit from it? I can show you who did benefit from it. The same people that still holding the bag. That owns the financial system. That owns that owns the housing system. That owns the, the educational system. The penal system. These people they benefited from their names still on it. Says more than seven hundred remain. Reported February twenty third, twenty twenty one. A report released Tuesday found that 168 Confederate symbols were removed across the United States in 2020, virtually all of them following the killing of George Floyd by Minneapolis police officers. And let me do this, y'all, because I actually got this one pulled up and this one. I finna uh, put it in the chat. You know the. I'm putting this article in the chat for y'all now. Right. Please write me. I'm trying to at least. Hold on, y'all. Figure this out. And we'll let you put it. There it is, right there. That ain't it? Oh, there it is, right there. I think it's here. You think that it? No, right here. What is it there? I'm sorry, y'all. I can't figure it out. All right. Um... All right, Kai, give me Psalms 83. Jeremiah 1. We're going to read from 1 to 5. How about give me Jeremiah 17 and 4. Psalms 83, verses 1 through 5. Keep not thy silence, O God. Mm-hmm. Hold not thy peace. Now, this is a prayer David was sending up. He said, don't be quiet about this. Don't hold your peace, Read. And be not still, mm-hmm. O God, for lo, thine enemies make a tumult. So he's asking the Most High to move on this situation. The situation is the enemies of the Most High is making a tumult. There's a ruckus going on. Read. And they that hate thee have lifted up the head. And these people that hate the Most High have lifted up their head. Read. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people. They've taken crafty counsel against the Most High's people. What's the crafty counsel? Read. And consulted against thy hidden ones. Yeah. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation. And how are they doing that right now, y'all? They turned down all the history of they dirt. Is <laughs> it come, let us cut them off from being a nation. Come on, think about it, y'all. How how difficult is it now for us to trace our lineage back? 
This is why you got everybody on damn 23 and me trying to chase they lineage, trace their lineage back, only to find out it's t- it told them something they already knew. <laughs> you from Africa. <laughs> oh, duh, you don't say. I could have read the damn history book and found that out. <laughs> but look how lost we are already. Now, just imagine if that, that bridge was not there to bridge us back to the transatlantic slave trade. To take us back to that. Imagine if that was gone. Then how the hell we ever connect the dots of the Bible? We couldn't do it. They know what they're doing, man. This is all by design. Henry Louis Gates died. We're going to be in trouble. (laughs) You think? And we need brothers like that fighting for us, man. All the, the black and brown historians, we need them fighting us. Granted, they don't know the truth or ain't accepted it, but they at least know our history to where when these these little brothers and sisters start, you know, inquiring, the information will be out there for them to get. But they making it so that ain't going to be no information left. None. I got black history books on my bookshelf, man, I've had since I was, hell, right before high school. Middle school, I believe, I had them books. Mama Dude gave them to me years ago, many moons ago. Glad I kept them. If y'all got them, y'all need to keep them. Because I'm telling you, I'm rereading it to you. They're whitewashing history. Read it again, okay? Verse 4, and they have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation. How do you cut a people off from being a nation? You cut their history off. It's bad enough our history was already cut off because they wouldn't teach it. The information was there. They just would teach it. But now the information is not going to be there, and they damn sure ain't going to teach it. Read. That the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. And this is what it's coming to. You ain't going to be able to trace your lineage back to the fact that you're Israelite based off of historical documents. Because it's no longer going to be there. You know who's going to be the Israelites now? It's going to be them. It's going to be Esau. They're going to be the Israelites. And I say it because they pretty soon, they're going to be the one that came over here on slave ships. I'm telling you. Watch. Y'all remember the, the cat was trying to cast Julia Roberts to play Harriet Tubman. Remember that? Yeah. Hell, remember uh, the lady, the, the the lady who played her, I believe, was a Hamite. <laughs> she, she, I ain't did the research, but I believe she was a Hamite. She don't even have the black experience. Look how they watering it down already. Now give me Jeremiah seventeen four. And thou, even thyself shall discontinue from thine heritage. We're going to be discontinued. <laughs> you know, like your favorite show you was binge watching. Our nation, our people are going to be discontinued. Why? Because we're being written out of history books. You ain't going to be able to trace nothing. Read it again. And thou, even thyself, shalt discontinue from thine heritage Read. that I gave thee. And I will cause thee to serve thine enemies in the land which thou knowest not. This is all a part of our punishment, man. The Most High is doing this. He's using Esau to do it. 
The Most High also said this, Job 8 and 8. For inquire, I pray thee, of the former age. He said what? For inquire, I pray thee, of the former age. The former age is history. The Most High said, I pray thee, inquire of history. That's the only way you're going to find out who you are as a people. If you inquire. We don't have the luxury that Esau has to where all they got to do is go to their grandparents' house and ask them, and they'll run generations beyond themselves down to them. We the only damn people got to go to the library, go to the state we came from, and go to City Hall, and try to look up some damn slavery records, seeing who owned our ancestors. And then only God knows where it's going to take us from there. But it can only, and that can only still go so far. You know, so what's so ironic about the uh, Ripper uh, front brawl was this they say that that was a major uh, slave hub a major slave hub and you can believe it man Alabama right there on the coastline man all them southern states remember it's called it was called or still is called for the time being the trans Atlantic slave trade the Atlantic Ocean's right there and then it seeds into the Gulf. And you look on the map, Alabama's right there, man. Close to close to the Gulf, as they call it. Down here in Texas. Right there, which is also next to what? The Caribbean. <laughs> Go look at the map. You're gonna be surprised to see them. This is how close they are to us. Yeah, they that close. Our brothers and sisters over in the Caribbean and Central and South America. They're going to write us out the books, y'all. Teach our children. We have to. All right, y'all. I went a little bit over on the news. Let me take a brief uh, break, and we'll be back on the other side of this break, y'all. y'all we are back we are back i didn't want to take too long on that break um continuing the class never wax tell the beginning of the end and the beginning of the end is just dealing with um because i already went over the crucifixion of christ and i believe that was like 
one and a half parts. But now I'm dealing with um, what transpired uh, or led up to the death of Christ, y'all. So let's go to Matthew chapter 23, and we're going to start at verse 1. We're going to read down to verse 13. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their work, for they say and do not. Now, I want you all to remember, too, y'all can go back to the archive classes. I went over this. But there were several different sects in Israel during the time of Christ. You had the Pharisees. You had the scribes. You had the Essenes. Um, who else? The Zealots. And you also had the, you had the, I said the Sadducees. The Sadducees. And you also had the Sakari. So you had different sects. But these were the Pharisees and the scribes that Christ was going at right here. Read on. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. So they'll give men hard jobs, but they themselves won't work hard. They'll ask somebody to go do some stuff that they won't even do. Read. But all their work they do... For to be seen of men. Because to them it's just a show. They want to show and present a good face, a good work. But they're really not doing it, read. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. The longest fringes, the, 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 the most glamorous garments, read. And love the uppermost rooms at feast. And, and they, they got to have the best seating. I got, I, I got to be on the podium in this seat. I got to be over here on that seat so everybody sees me. It's like that, uh, no, I'm going to even compare it to that because dad does deserve a big piece of chicken, but go ahead. And the chief seats in the synagogue Read. and greetings in the market mm-hmm. and to be called of men, rabbi, rabbi. Master, master, read. But be not ye called rabbi. But listen to what Christ is telling his disciples. Don't make a name for yourself. Don't have an air about yourself. Read. For one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. I'm your master, but I'm going to treat all y'all like brothers. I'm not going to treat y'all like y'all my servants. Because remember what Christ also told them. He says, the, more, the greater thou art, the more of a servant thou art. Not the greater thou art, the more people you can boss around and tell what to do, and you ain't got to do nothing, and the Bible don't apply to you. He never said that. Read. And call no man your father upon the earth. So what if I'm a Catholic, though? And call no man your father upon the earth. Father, I need to confess. And call no man your father upon the earth. For you Catholics, read. For one is your father, which is in heaven. Your heavenly father. He's the one you need to be confessing to. <laughs> Neither be ye called masters. For one is your master, even Christ. Read. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Oh, I think I'll just quote this. I'll butcher it. 
But here we go. I'm glad we read down. Read it again. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Mm -hmm. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. You want to make a name for yourself? That's all you about? You want to put yourself on a pedestal? What did Christ say was going to happen to you? And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. You're going to be brought low. Because the scripture says, let another man praise you, not yourself. Stop looking for the vain glory. Read. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. The most high loves the humble. It says he resists the proud, though, right? Mm-hmm. You know? But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He, what do you call them? Scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Imposters, actors. Read. For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. What did he say they do? For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. Say, you shut up the kingdom of heaven. Read. For ye neither go in yourselves. <laughs> Read on. Neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Now hold this and let's get Luke chapter 17 and verse 20. Let's see what Yahweh is talking about. Because he said, for ye, need, it says, uh, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. Let's find out what the kingdom of heaven is. Let's find out what he's talking about. Read this. Luke 17 and 20. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of the Most High should come. Now look what the Pharisees was asking him. When the kingdom was going to come. Now, if you've been listening to my class for any substantial amount of time, you know that I went over the history timeline regarding our captivities. Now, during this time, we were in the Roman captivity, all right? So before all these captivities, we had a kingdom. Before 930 B.C., we had a kingdom, King Solomon. We was doing big things under Solomon. Our kingdom was, was, was uh, vast. It was rich. It was prosperous. We was doing big things, man, until we fell off under Solomon's rule around 930 B.C. And then what we had to look forward to was a bunch of captivities. The first captivity was the northern kingdom being took out by the Assyrians around 722 B.C. Then the southern kingdom being took out by the Babylonians around uh, 586 B.C. Then you had uh, the southern kingdom going to another captivity under the Persian and Medes around 538 B.C. Then you had the southern kingdom going to another captivity around 333 B.C. under Alexander the Greek. Then you have us going to captivity under the Romans around, and Michelle will correct me if, if I'm wrong, but what, 21 B.C. I believe it was? So this is a list of all the captivities that we've been through. So when the Pharisees, or yeah, when the Pharisees asked Christ this, read it again. When the kingdom of the Most High should come. This is what they were talking about. When are we going to be back in rulership, power, and authority? I'm sorry, y'all. It's 27 B.C. 27 B.C. We were in the Roman captivity. So they're asking Christ this. When are we, if things going to go back 
to the to the way it was under Solomon. <laughs> when we gonna get the kingdom? You know, like the song the brother made. We gonna get the kingdom, yeah. Shout out to uh Charles Judah speaks or teaches. Shout out to that brother. We'll read this again. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of the Most High should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of the Most High cometh not with observation. He said it ain't going to come with observation. It ain't going to come by you just looking at it. Read. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of the Most High is within you. Christ told them what? The kingdom of the Most High is within you. The kingdom is within you. This is what we didn't understand as Israelites. And I'm going to get into it, but Christ wanted us to fix ourselves. That's why he kept saying repent. Even John the Baptist, who paved the way for Christ, was constantly saying what? Repent, which means to change. This is what we didn't get. We thought, oh, we got a Savior. He's coming to, to restore the kingdom so we can be back in power, rulership, and authority. No. <laughs> no, that's not why he came. He came to get us to change. We had to change in order to get rulership, power, and authority back. So they asked Christ this. Now, remember what Christ said in Matthew 23 and verse 13. Let's read this again. Because Christ told them that the kingdom was within them, within us. Israel is the kingdom. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. You turn people away. This is what he's saying, man. You, you turn your own people away. You're a respecter of persons, like a lot of us still are. Oh, because you ain't with this camp. Or you ain't with that camp. Oh, you, you wear your fringes here. You don't wear them in the right place. Come on, man. Or where your fringes at? Instead of, hey, Shalom, brother, good to see you. Who you with, man? How long you been in? How's the sound? Never hospitable like that. It's always argumentative. Most of the time, any damn way. Sad to say. But Christ said that even the Pharisees was doing this. Read that part again. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. You turn people away, read. For ye neither go in yourselves. And he said, you need to go in yourselves. Remember the word Pharisees means separatists. Look it up, y'all. It literally means separatists. When he said, you need to go in yourself, you don't make yourself acceptable to other Israelites. You don't make yourself accessible to your nation. Read. Neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. And you're not hospitable when you see them. You don't invite them to fellowship with you. You don't invite them to, hey, let's go over some scrolls. This is what he was saying. And this is why the Pharisees hated Christ. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16. This is why they was always beating with Christ, talking about, man, you, you, you a friend of publicans and sinners. Because why? They didn't fool publicans and sinners, even though they were Israelites. But they shunned Christ for it because Christ was accessible to everybody. It wasn't, 
what acronym you with. It wasn't when you keep the Sabbath or what fringes you got on or where you wearing them. If, are you Israelite? Cool. I'll kick it with you. Oh, yeah. Matthew chapter 6 and 16. Moreover, when he fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad continent, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Now, when he says, be not as the hypocrites, who is he talking about? Come on, y'all. Exactly. We just left them in uh, chapter 23. He's still talking about these cats. What do they do when they fast? For they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily mm-hmm. I say unto you, they have their reward. They're going to get theirs. Read. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast. Mm-hmm. But unto thy father, which is in secret, and thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. So don't be like the Pharisees. Don't be a hypocrite. Luke 18 and 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a, wid- a widow in that city. Now, listen, we said it was a judge. Now, remember, y'all, during this time, the judges were the Pharisees. So he's talking about them still. <laughs> he's still coming at them. Now, the Pharisees, we know, were the judges because they were the ruling sect of Israel. They had the most influence and power. But he says, read it again. Verse 2. Okay. Saying, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. Mm-hmm. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. So this widow says, hey, I need to be avenged. Read. And he was not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, though I fear not God, nor regard man. So he knew he had no fear from the Most High. And the scripture says that the fear of the Most High is the beginning of wisdom. So this dude had no wisdom. Read. Yet because this widow troubleth me, this, I... This woman getting on my damn nerves. Read. I will avenge her. I'm going to help her out. But listen to why you say you're going to help her out. Lest by her continual coming she weary me. Because she's wearing the hell out of me. Read. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect? You don't think that the Most High is going to take vengeance for this widow woman? Read. Verse 7. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, mm-hmm. though he bear long with them? Read. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, Shall he find faith on earth? No doubt. Read. 
And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves. Trusted in what? In themselves. Their own ability. Like it tells you in um, Jeremiah 17 and 5, cursed is the man, a trusted man makes flesh his arm. Read. That they were righteous and despised others. So these men thought that they was on point and everybody else was beneath them, not even worthy of their time. No different than this judge. It's, it's almost like the same parable. He's talking about the same people. Read. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. I ain't like other people. <laughs> that's, that's, that's humility for you, right? He was very humble. Man, I ain't, I ain't like nobody. I'm the I'm the the, the S H I T. Read. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. Even as who? This publican. He went so so far as to point the publican out. Remember the publicans were tax collectors that was despised by Israelites. Read. I fast twice in the week. Look at him, running down all his accomplishments. Tithes of all that I possess. Read on. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven. And the publican, he wouldn't even lift his eyes up because he was so distraught and so shamed of the way he was living, the way he was operating. That's humility. Read. But smote upon his breast, saying. Beating on his chest. Read. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Begging. Please be merciful to me, a sinner. Read. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Rather than that Pharisee. Read. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And who was who was big up in themselves and putting themselves on the Pharise- on a uh, pedestal? It was the Pharisees, y'all. So that was that was the message that Christ was sending to all of. He was calling all of them out and telling them the truth about themselves. But you know how we are? We do not want to be told the truth about ourselves. What's the Jack Nicholson? I need that sound bite out. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. Mark fourteen and one. Mark 14 and 1. And after two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread. Read that again. After two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread. Now, I had to read this again, man, because you get a lot of people that be confused about this. So feast of unleavened bread and Passover starts on the same day. I just wanted to point that out. But this is what's going on. So we're in the New Testament, mind you. Everybody say, oh, the law is done away with. But how is the law done away with when we're reading about a ceremonial law? Passover. Read it again. After two days was the feast of the Passover and of leavened bread. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. 
So this, this is the Pharisees plotting on how to kill Christ. Read. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. So they had to do it on the low. They didn't want to do it when the spotlight was on everybody because it was a feast day. Read. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon, the leper, as he sat at meat, there comes a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. So she broke this the box of oil and she put it on Christ's head. She was anointing him. Read. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? So there was some that was mad, like, hey, you're wasting oil. Read. For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. They murmuring against this lady and checking this lady. And this is Christ they talking to like this. Like, hey, man, you're wasting oil. We could have sold, made some money off of this. Read. And Yahawashai said, let her alone. Why trouble her? Why trouble ye her? She has brought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always. And whensoever ye will ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. Christ like man, the poor people will always do you, but I'm about to die. She has done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. See, Verily, he knew that. He knew he was from the diary. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for memorial of her. And that's why this sister's in here. She gets the honorable mention for her great works, anointing Yahweh Shah. Right, let's get uh, Matthew 26 and 17. Matthew 26 and verse 17. Now the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Yahawashai, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? All right, so this is Matthew's account on the Passover. So the disciples asked Yahawashai, where he going to eat Passover at? Read. And he said, Go into the city to such a man, and say unto him, The master saith, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. So he said he's going to keep it at the house. Read on. And the disciples did as Yehoshai had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Read. Now, when the evening even was come, he sat down with the twelve. Now, so they got the Passover ready. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 21 and verse 1. Because remember, he had he's given them instructions where he was going to keep the Passover at. Well, Matthew chapter 21, and we're going to start at uh, verse 1. He gives them more instructions. Read. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, they were come to Bethphage, unto the Mount of Olives. Then sent Yehoshua two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied mm-hmm. and a colt with her. Mm-hmm. Loose them and bring them unto me. Mm-hmm. Now, and, this, this was before Passover. 
So he told them to go into a city. They was going to find an ass tied and a coat with her. He said, loosen them and bring them unto me. Read on. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, the Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. Mm -hmm. And all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, tell ye the daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass. She don't know what. An ass. Read. And a colt, the fawn of an ass. Mm-hmm. Now, hold on. So it says that uh, all this, verse 4, read that again. Verse 4, and all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Sion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, Mm -hmm. the foal of an ass. So as it is written, so this got to be written somewhere, right? Let's go to Zechariah. Hold this. Go to Zechariah chapter 9, and we're going to read verse 9. Let's see where this comes from. Got it? I got it. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just, he is just and having salvation. Because <laughs> what was his name? Salvation, he that saved, how shot. It says lowly. And riding upon an ass and upon a coat, the fold of an ass. So this is where that came from in Matthew chapter 21 and verse 5. Now, what was the significance of this? Why did Christ tell his disciples to do this? Let's get First Kings chapter 1. Let's get the significance of this. First Kings chapter one. And let's start at verse thirty three. All of this all of this proceeded before Yahushai was murdered, before he was crucified. And we're getting a little backstory to find out why the Pharisees, the scribes and those other sects wanted him dead. So 1 Kings 1 and 33. The king also said unto them, Take with you the servants of your Lord, and cause Solomon my son to ride upon my own mule, and bring him down to Gihon. Now this is David speaking. David's about to be with his father. He's about to give up the ghost of the past. He already had Solomon as being king, but he wanted it to be recognized throughout all of Israel. So he said, man, look, Go and get Solomon and put him on my mule and bring him down to Gihon. Now, why was he here? Why was he doing this, Reed? The Dok, the priest, and Nathan, the prophet, anoint him their king over Israel. He was getting anointed. Reed? And blow ye the trumpet and say, Yahawashai, save King Solomon. Read that again. Read what you see, please. Sorry, Yahweh, 
save King Solomon. Yeah. Yahweh or God, save King Solomon. Now remember, Solomon is being anointed king. And part of the process was what? For him to be riding in on a mule. No different than what Christ told his disciples to go do, was to go get that, that mule. We don't go back to it, read. Then ye shall come up after him, that he may come and sit upon my throne. For he shall be king in my seed. He shall be what? King. This was, this was a rite of passage. Read. And I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and over Judah. But how did all the Israelites know that Solomon was the next king after his father David? Remember, he was riding through the city on what? On, that mule. on that mule. This was symbolic. Like I said, this was a rite of passage. Let's see where it came from. Let's get Judges chapter 5 and verse 9. Got to read nine and five judges, five and nine, five and nine judges. You got it? Yes, read. My heart is toward the governors of Israel. Said my heart, talking about the mind. My mind is toward the governors of Israel. Now we're in the book of Judges, so who were the governors of Israel? The judges, read. That offered themselves willingly among the people. They offered themselves to be judges, to serve the people. Read. Bless ye the Lord. Read. Speak ye that ride on white asses. The judges were riding on what? White asses. Read. Ye that sit in judgment and walk by the way. (laughs) The judges are sitting on asses. This is where David got it from. Because all Israel knew that was symbolic. If they're riding through the city sitting on asses, they're the judges. They're the rulers. They're the king of Israel. I hope everybody's seeing this. This is why it says this about Christ in Genesis chapter 49. Let's get it. Genesis 49, and I want you to start at... Verse 10. Genesis 49 and 10. Verse 9. Verse 9. Judah is a lion's whelp. Mm-hmm. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. Mm-hmm. He stoops down. He couched as a lion. And as an old lion, who shall roast him up? Now, Judah was the fourth-born son of Jacob. He's talking about the fourth-born son of, son of Jacob, but he's also talking about somebody else. Verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. The scepter is rulership or authority, meaning the kingdom. The kingdom is not going to depart from who? Judah. From Judah. Hold this and get uh, Hebrews 14, 814. Hold on. Let me catch up. Fourteen two. Huh? Hold on. It's been a minute. Hmm. 
Read that. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah. Our Lord, meaning Christ, came from the tribe of Judah. I hope everybody sees this. Now let's go back to Genesis chapter 14 and read verse 10 again. Genesis 49 and 10. Genesis 49 and 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. From who? Judah. Now what Christ, What tribe did Christ spring out of? Judah. Judah. This is who he's talking about. It's talking about him. Read. Nor a lawgiver from between the feet. Uh-huh. Until Shiloh come. The word Shiloh means peaceable one. Now who's the, the, uh, the, the prince, the king of peace? Christ. So it's talking about him. Read. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be. And unto Yahweh shall the gathering of the Israelites be. Read. Binding his soul unto the vine. He's going to be what? Binding his soul unto the vine. Binding means tying. <laughs> tying his foal. A foal is a, a small uh, animal in the horse family. That's a foal. Like an ass or a mule. It says binding his foal unto the vine. So tying him up. Read. And his ass is colt unto the choice vine. Now, a colt is a donkey or a mule. It's another animal in that horse family. Read. He washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. Now, let's go back. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 21 again. And we're going to read verse 1. Put it all together. Matthew. 21 and 1. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethphage unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. So you're going to find a donkey. And you're going to find another donkey. Read. Loose them. Loose them. One time. Read. And bring them unto me. And bring them to me. Read. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, the Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. Read on. He's going to send them. Read. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Sion, behold, thy king cometh unto thee meek and sitting upon an ass. That's Zechariah 9 and 9. Read on. And a colt, the foal the of an ass. Mm-hmm. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt and put on them their clothes. Mm-hmm. And they set him thereon. Mm-hmm. And a great, a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Just like Solomon or David set Solomon on that ass and presented him to the city. Just like it tells you in Judges that the judges were rode on white asses and they were the governors of Israel. Here's Christ being anointed king of Israel in the sight of all Israel. Read. Others cut down branches from the trees. Mm-hmm. And strawed them in the way. They call this Palm Sunday. Read. 
And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. To the son of David. Now, how do they know he's from the lineage of David? First of all, he's from the tribe of Judah, which David was. Secondly, they knew how David did the same thing with Solomon. Read. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? <laughs> who is this? <laughs> because all of Israel knew what? He was being presented to them as their king. So you ask, why would the Pharisees want to murk him? This is why. Because they were all about what? Vainglory. Here was Christ still in their shine, but righteously. Read. And the multitude said, this is Jesus the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all of them. Now, that's it. That's it. Because we're going to go back to this story. Because actually, yeah, this did happen like right before Passover. Uh, let's get Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1. It's a stopping point I'm trying to get to. Matthew 10 and 1. And when he had called unto him his Twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits mm -hmm. to cast them out mm -hmm. and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Mm -hmm. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. Listen up, y'all, read. The first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas, and Matthew, the publican, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Lebaeus, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, and... Hold on, hold on. I hope y'all noticed this too, man. A lot of the disciples had two names, and this goes all the way back to during the Greek captivity, and they kept this going, because remember the Maccabees, the Hasmonean dynasty, a lot of them had two names or they would adopt a, a full Greek name and not use the Hebrew name. So this tradition carried on all the way to the Roman captivity. Now listen to this part, read. Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. So we want to focus on Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Christ. Let's get Matthew 26 and verse 14. Yeah. Read. Matthew 26 and 14. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will ye give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. So this is Judas Iscariot going to sell Christ out, inquiring how much would it be worth for him to sell Christ out. And they made a contract for 30 pieces of silver. Read on. And from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. And now he's on the move, trying to betray Christ, because he got his payday. Read. Now the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to such a man, and say unto him, The master saith, My time is at hand. 
I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. Now, remember, this is after he rode through the city. Everybody see him as being king of Israel right before Judas Iscariot go and proposition the Pharisees to murk him. So they're like, oh, man, it's like our prayers have been answered. <laughs> the Most High sent us the demon to kill this nigga that we don't like, still in our shine. Read. And the, and the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now, when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. So he already knew it, Reed. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. So whoever dipped their hand here with, the, with me in this dish, same time, you the one, read. The Son of Man goeth, as it is written of him. But woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Mm-hmm. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? Is it me? He said unto him, Thou hast said. Nigga, you know it's you. Matthew 27 and 1. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. So this is that morning. Everybody's trying to murk Christ. And remember, Judas Iscariot set him up. Read. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Mm -hmm. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself. He's seeing what? He saw that he was condemned, repented himself. He saw he had made a mistake. Read. And brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. He brought the money back. Read. Saying, in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See that thou to that. So did Judas Iscariot really believe that Christ was guilty of anything? No. No, he knew he was innocent. So much so he tried to give the money back. Read. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. And this is how distraught he was. He had to mark himself. Now you might ask yourself, well, why would he do this, man? Why was Judas Iscariot scheming? And set Christ up the way he set him up. Let's go to Acts chapter 1. I know it was, it was a question I always ask myself. Why, why would he do such a thing? When he, to be around Christ for three years and see him perform the miracles that he performed and see that he was a generally uh, loving and caring guy, he really loved his people, why would he set him up like this? It just it didn't make sense to me. So let's go to Acts chapter 1 and start verse 1. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, Mm -hmm. until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, Mm -hmm. to whom also he shewed himself alive after his passion, 
by many infallible proofs. By his what? Many infallible proofs. By his passion. So who who was his passion? His passion was his people, y'all. You can't forget that. You can't just read over that. Read Read on. Being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of the Most High. So Christ was speaking about the kingdom. And what was the kingdom again, y'all? It ain't this fictitious place that religion and got in your head about angels up there with damn pampers on pooping all over the place. It ain't nothing like that, man. The kingdom was talking about Israel being back in power in control of things again, like during the time of Solomon when we was living good. This is what they're asking Christ. When are we going to get out of this captivity? When are we going to be back in power? Read it again. The whole thing? That part right there. Uh, To whom also he shewed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, Mm -hmm. being seen of them 40 days Mm -hmm. and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of the Most High. Talking about the kingdom, read. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. But wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. Mm -hmm. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Proving the two baptisms was different. Not many days hence. Mm -hmm. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom kingdom to Israel? I jumped the gun. I'm sorry, y'all. They asked him, when are you going to give us the kingdom back? When are things going to go back to like during the time of Solomon? I'm going to go a little longer, y'all, because I want to get to a certain stopping point. So uh, I don't know how it works. I think the people that are online might get kicked off, or the people on the phone might get kicked off. One of them. But I'm going to So they asked him, when are you going to restore the kingdom back to us? When are we going to be in power, rulership, power, and authority again? Read. And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the time or the season, <laughs> which the Father has put in his own power. So you ask yourself, and this is the reason I brought this out, y'all. If these Israelites, after Christ coming back, kicking it with them for 40 uh, days, if they're asking Christ this question, what question do you think was on Judas Iscariot's mind? The exact same thing. This is what he was thinking that it was time for Christ to kick the Romans' ass and for to be back rulership, power, and authority on the earth. Now, I brought this article up to substantiate what I'm saying. Read this. From whatchristianswanttoknow.com, why did Judas betray Jesus? That's what everybody want to know, right? Why did Jesus? Why did Judas betray Jesus? Did it have anything to do with him trying to overthrow the Roman government? With him trying to do what? Overthrow the Roman government? Now, why, where would Judas Iscariot get this idea from? Maybe from Judas Maccabees, Simon Maccabees. Because <laughs> what did they do? They overthrew the Greek government under the Greeks, under the uh, Seleucid dynasty. Under uh, Epiphanes Remember Go back and read the history y'all Under Antiochus Epiphanes The Jews 
formed a revolt that was led by their father, Matthias. And then the brother Judas Maccabees came in and took it over. Then after he died, then you had Simon Maccabees come in and take it over. And after Simon's death, John Hycranus, Simon's son, came in and he took it over and formed the Hesmonian dynasty. So was Judas was Judas Judas Iscariot tripping when he thought that Christ was going to overthrow the Roman government? No, he was not tripping because this has been the pattern with Israel. The Most High will always send us a Savior to get us out of our trouble, out of our problem. Y'all better go back and read. This is consistent with the history of the Bible. So this is what he wanted. But what he didn't understand was, <laughs> yes, Christ was coming back to save. But what was the catch? We had to believe on him, and we had to change. But a lot of us didn't believe in Christ. Read on this article. Read that part again. Why did Judas betray Jesus? Did it have anything to do with him trying to overthrow the Roman government? Judas. Judas Iscariot was one of the original 12 disciples that were selected by Jesus Christ. He was known as Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, carried the money bag, so he was like a church treasurer, and his desire for money was evident. And there is no scriptural evidence that Judas was ever saved. He never called Jesus Lord like the other disciples did, but called him rabbi. Now, keep in mind, y'all, they're writing this from a religious perspective. That's why you hear the word, he was, Judas was never saved. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because it's the church word they use, oh, I'm saved, and I'm saved in the Lord. <laughs> Not even understanding what salvation really is. But anyway, read on. So maybe Judas didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah, or he did know and wanted the Messiah to rule immediately. He wanted Christ to rule immediately over who? The Romans. Read. Either way, Judas was only concerned about himself and his own agenda. And as the money bag holder, he didn't really care about Jesus as much as he did the money. One example was when Mary anointed Jesus with a costly perfume. Judas was indignant and asked, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given now, to the poor? We read that story already. It did, the story didn't give names, but they put the name to it. Read. He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Mm-hmm. Referenced in John chapter 12, verses 5 through 6. So Judas said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it, John 12 and 7. So we see Judas' true character, his motivation, and that he was truly never converted. So why did Judas betray Jesus? Judas's motive. Before we try to answer the question of why Judas betrayed Jesus, we might think about Judas and his background. Now listen to this. The name Iscariot is said to have come from the Semitic root verb squire or S-Q-R, meaning to lie. So Judas's very name insinuates that he is a liar. 
However, Judas's name itself is said to have derived from Judas's membership in the Sicarii or dagger wielder. So, like I mentioned earlier, the other sect, one of the sects we had in Israel during the time of the Roman captivity, was a sect known as the Sicarii or the dagger men. That's, they were also referred to as that because they carried daggers or the uh, the dagger assassin. They were known for carrying those those daggers, and they was killing people. <laughs> they was marking them. So he was a part of that sect, that rebellious sect, because the Sakari, they wanted to overthrow the Roman government. I want us to understand this. This is very important. Now you can understand the thinking of Judas Iscariot. Because remember, he's seen Christ perform all these miracles, which we're going to get into. He knew Christ had power. Read. Which was a band of religious terrorists of the time. <laughs> terrorists. <laughs> Read on. So there is some speculation that Judas was aligned with the Zealots, a fanatical group that had included another apostle, Simon, and whose intent, whose intent was to overthrow the Roman rule in Judea. Th- their intent was to do what? Overthrow the Roman rule in Judea. People really think the Bible is a book of religion, man. It is so not. This is history. Why would they think to do this? Just like I mentioned earlier, the Maccabees thought to do this. Read on. As far as the other disciples knew, Judas was not suspected at all as a false convert. When Jesus said someone would betray him that Passover night, all the other disciples wondered what if it would be them. Not Judas, but Judas had a clever cover. He was basically like the church treasurer holding all the funds that were given to support Jesus' earthly ministry and never cared for anyone but himself. So the question is, did Judas betray Jesus to see how he would respond when they tried to arrest him? Was it sort of like throwing Jesus into the deep end of the pool to see if he'd sink or swim? Maybe, but we can't be sure about what Judas was thinking. Maybe Judas expected the Messiah to come and rule immediately, destroying the Roman armies and placing Israel at the chief, as the chief nation among the nations. So when Jesus... Like, like we once were. Mm-hmm. Really? So when Jesus failed to do that, and knowing Jesus' mission was to die and be raised to life, which Judas likely didn't believe, Judas lost faith and any hope in Jesus helping to restore the nation of Israel to prominence and power. So he was basically pushing the envelope. Read. Woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed, the betrayal. Did Judas think that Jesus would use his power to destroy those who ruled over the Jews? Which was who? The Romans. The Romans. Read. And thus allow the zealots to overthrow both the Jewish hierarchy and the Romans? It's a possibility because Judas had seen many miracles, and even the dead were raised to life. So he knew Jesus had supernatural powers. So maybe Jesus' power enticed Judas into thinking that Jesus would use his, this power for Israel's restoration. For Israel's what? Restoration. Now, what did Israel ask Christ, Acts chapter 1? Acts chapter 1, 
And what verse is it? Verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should, uh, commanded, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which said he, ye have heard of me. Matter of fact, it's verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore? What does it mean to restore? To put back. To put, to put back. To make it the way it was. Will you at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? What does the article say again? It's a possibility because Judas had seen many miracles and even the dead were raised to life. So he knew Jesus had supernatural powers. So maybe Jesus's power enticed Judas into thinking that Jesus would use this power for Israel's restoration. To restore Israel back into power. Read. This would ensure that Judas would reign with Christ or at least be a leader of the nation. <laughs> Ain't this always our downfall? We got to make a name for ourselves. Oh, I can rule this. We take these Romans out, dog. I'm going to be right. I'm be his right-hand man. I'm going to have some power, too. Read. After the Roman yoke of bondage was broken. Again, we can't know what Judas was thinking, but it does appear that Judas regretted his decision after he realized that they would not only arrest Jesus, but try him and have him crucified. He didn't expect that. That's why he tried to return the 30 pieces of silver he'd been given to betray Jesus. Perhaps he gave the money back in an attempt to stop Jesus' crucifixion. Maybe Judas had originally expected Jesus to defy the Roman authorities and begin his earthly reign with the 12 disciples, Judas included. (laughs) But but when Jesus made it clear he was going to suffer and die, Judas gave up hope, and thus he betrayed him for a paltry 30 pieces of silver. Nah, dog, I ain't with that. You going to let them kill you? Nah, uh-uh. Is that it? About the price of a slave in that day. Even though Judas regretted his actions, not expecting them to kill Jesus, there is no indication he ever repented or prayed to God for forgiveness. By being overburdened by such an intense guilt, Judas went out, hanged himself, committing suicide. Referenced in Matthew 27, 5, the son of perdition or destruction took his place in the prophetic plan of God, John 17, 12. But as always, God uses great evil for great good. Referenced in Genesis 50, 20 and John 3, 16. All right, y'all. So I think this is a good place to stop, but I hope y'all understand that <laughs> Judas was trying to force Christ's hand to use his power to get Israel out of captivity from being up under the Romans. So that's what he was trying to do because this has been our history. and He knew that the Most High would always send Israel a Savior whenever we got in trouble. But this Savior was different. Because this Savior was teaching something that they weren't familiar with, which was Israel being forgiven for their sins, but only, only through Christ. And once you believe, then we'll, then the Most High will save you out of captivity. 
But like I've brought out during this class, all of Israel did not believe on Christ. No different than now, y'all, because you have a lot of brothers that are Old Testament Israelites only, and they don't believe in Christ. For as many times Christ is mentioned throughout all throughout the Old Testament, and the scriptures match up with the New, they still ain't trying to hear it, man. Like the scripture said, we are stubborn, stiff-necked, rebellious people, man. And that holds true to this day. We are the people of the book. So with that, y'all, uh, y'all got any questions? Y'all got anything I want to say? Add. Y'all got any questions? Everybody that's listening online, on the phone. I appreciate y'all tuning in. Uh, the Water Mashaba for hooking up the broadcast, brothers. Um, the water to y'all, man, for joining joining me so late. Um, I usually go early in the morning. But I hope everybody got some edification out of the class. If you got any questions concerning this class or any other biblical topic, or you just want to rap to a brother, man, um, hit me up at 314-482-9110. And until then, y'all, till next week, Lord willing, tell a friend to tell a friend. To tell a friend to please tune in to Taza Pop. Tuesday. Taza Pop. Tuesday. Taza Pop. Tuesday. Every Tuesday. And with that, y'all, we're going to say Shalom. Shalom.